Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Rick Stroud with Joey Knight at Bank of America Stadium as we do this podcast where the Bucks have beaten the Carolina Panthers 32-6 to in a game that they needed and needed to play without most of their stars on offense. Obviously, the top three guys were out. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin out for the season, Leonard Fournette until the playoffs. They needed somebody to step up, Joey. They needed a couple players to do so. And they got that with not so much Ronald Jones, right? Um, but it was more Keyshawn Vaughn and especially an LSU track star named Cyril Grayson who showed up tonight. It was really an unlikely ensemble, Rick, um, and very encouraging if you're a Bucks fan considering all the guys they got on the shelf they needed, you know, it's the next man up mantra, and they fulfilled that mantra today in, in glowing fashion. You, you mentioned Cyril Grayson, and you'll talk more about him because you wrote mostly about him today. Three catches for 81 yards. Set up a touchdown with that 62-yarder from Tom Brady, a guy who just hasn't had many reps at all. And he comes in. He was told early in the week he's going to get his shot because, you know, not only can he fly, but he can also block, as Bruce Arians told us. And he was ready when his number was called, Kishon Vaughn, 55-yard gain. We, we didn't see that coming. And, uh, you know, I think that's that's five yards more, Rick, than he had the entire season on the ground entering this game and you talk about un- unlikely contributors I don't know if he's unlikely but what was surprising was what Antonio Brown was able to come in and do after not playing for two and a half months comes in and was targeted early and often by Tom Brady 15 targets 10 catches 101 yards Bruce Arians talk like his reps would be limited I mean the guy's been injured he's been suspended he hasn't played a lot and here he is he, he he's like I said, he comes in early and often and he's targeted right away. And he played a lot more than the 25 or 30 reps that uh, Bruce Arians indicated he might play. Yeah, he was uh, in, in tremendous shape. And the funny thing was, is that he, he had a big day over 100 yards receiving. He could have had an even bigger day. They were they had miscommunications on the field a couple of times. Brown kept going deep. The ball was thrown behind him and vice versa. So him and Brady weren't completely on the same page. It makes sense. He hasn't played since October 14th. Um, and we didn't know where he was with respect to his injury. Uh, but his endurance was uh, certainly as good as you could expect. And they needed that number one receiver because really outside of Antonio Brown they only and, and Grayson, they only had five other completions uh, to anybody. And it was Ronald Jones. Cam Brate and Rob Gronkowski had one catch for 23 yards, and folks, that was it. So, you know, Tom Brady threw for 232, um, and he only had 18 completions and 30 attempts, which is not the percentage that we're used to with him. Uh, but they found a way, and that, that was going to be the whole thing, right? How would this team rebound from being shut out by the New Orleans Saints? How would they manage to spackle a game plan together, uh, mostly involving their offensive line against a pretty good defensive front of the Panthers? 
Uh, could they score points? Could they sustain some drives? Um, how were they going to attack the Panthers? Was it going to be mostly on the ground? And I think we saw a commitment to the running game. I mean, anytime you run for 159, that's a big day. But the 31 attempts was bigger. It wasn't like Jones had a good day in, in terms of running the ball, but he was their workhorse. He had 20 carries for 65 yards. That's not a great average, 3.3. Uh, his longest run was 16, but he got the job done. And, um, you know, they were able to throw a couple passes to him. I mean, I think that's the thing they still lack is that receiver out of the backfield. But we saw a lot of two tight ends. We saw a lot of three tight ends. We saw Josh Wells playing as a tight end at times. And so, you know, they they solved the puzzle. And, and, and they've got to do that for a couple more weeks. Look, not to be glossed over here, and Tom Brady certainly didn't do it because I think you asked him the question, they won the division today, you know, on Sunday. They they beat uh, the Carolina Panthers, won the NFC South for the first time in 14 years. That's just one of the three goals that they had coming into the year. Absolutely. And you mentioned it, Rick. There's still two games to play, and they probably will not have some of these marquee guys back anytime soon, and there's still some playoff seating to vie for. These next two games are very significant because – the division is wrapped up. That home game is wrapped up. But seeding is so important because, you, bottom line, you don't want to go to Green Bay in late January and have to play a, a, a conference title game there. Or, for that matter, you don't want, want to have to travel, say, to a, to a Dallas or a Los Angeles, which is just a sound box. You've been there, Rick, and you know how loud that place can get. So seeding is so significant over these last two games against the Jets and the Panthers, and they're going to need this kind of ensemble effort that, that we're talking about because I'm not sure Mike Evans comes back in short order, and I'm certainly not sure that Leonard Fournette comes back in short order. So as much as anything, as much as winning a conference, uh, winning a division today, they want some confidence. They, they get back yeah. on that plane knowing that they're capable of doing it against not a great team, but a pretty decent defense. And they went out and did it today. And speaking of defense, that's a whole other conversation on the Bucks side. Yeah. I mean, they were outstanding. So now we've gone two games without the Bucks allowing a touchdown. And in this league, it doesn't matter who you play. Obviously, the Saints have been limited all season long without Michael Thomas. They did have Alvin Kamara back. Um, you know, Taysom Hill was their quarterback who didn't do a whole lot through the air, but they did not allow a touchdown in that game. A late field goal it was six to nothing for most of the game. They lose on a good defensive effort, nine to nothing. And then to, on, on Sunday night or Sunday afternoon in Carolina, they didn't have Lamonte David. He's another guy that's missing from the puzzle. Uh, has the foot injury? We're not sure. Uh, you know, he I guess he's on IR, so he won't be back uh, until the start of the postseason. Hopefully. Also not playing or not dressing was Jason Pierre-Paul for the first time. Even after sustaining that shoulder injury, he's, he's willed himself to go out there. Um, you know, Instead, it was Joe Tryon Shawinka who didn't put up numbers. But speaking of numbers, the defense had six, or was it seven? Seven sacks, which is the most since 1999 in a game, I believe. Um, and two and a half of those uh, were by uh, – Will Golston, yeah, who who uh, had a big day. Unfortunately, injuries being what they are, they lose Shaq Barrett to what Bruce Arians described at least after the game, and this is always subject to change, a mild MCL sprain. I remember when it was early Monday morning last week, a week ago, when the reports came out in the morning that Chris Godwin had an MCL sprain, but the MRI showed something much worse. So 
you hope Shaq Barrett, who got his 10th sack, uh, becoming one of the few players, along with Leroy Selman, Simeon Rice, and Warren Sapp, to have 10 or more sacks in three seasons uh, for the Bucks. You hope that this guy comes back, but defensively, defensively, this team is playing really, really well. Absolutely, and yeah, I would, uh, I would withhold that exhale on Shaquille Barrett yet until Monday afternoon when Bruce Arians talks to us. We'll have a better idea then. He usually talks to us around twelve thirty, one thirty, so we should get an update then. But uh, again, you talk about your ensemble performances, and that's the theme of today. These guys, though they were they were hamstrung, they were down some significant players, obviously. They they like you said, they put the puzzle together and it was a sparkling performance, Rick. That's eight consecutive quarters now. They haven't allowed the opponent in the end zone. And speaking of these four quarters today, what an effort by Jordan Whitehead. This may have been a career game for him, even though his numbers didn't stand out. I'm sure Cam Newton's going to be seeing this guy in his sleep tonight. He had seven tackles. One of them was a shoestring on Cam when he got out of the pocket and appeared to be breaking for a nice game. Jordan Whitehead was there. There was a, a sequence... In, in the second half where he, he got Cam Newton on the ground for no gain. Cam was trying to scramble, couldn't get away from Whitehead, no gain. Next play, Whitehead's there to break up a pass. So that forced a punting situation. And, of course, earlier in the game, uh, Newton throw and she- Shaquille Barrett got his hands on the ball and it deflected right to Jordan Whitehead. So that was an interception. So seven tackles, three passes defensed, including the interception. And Bruce Arian said the guy just... Had a heck of a game. He's in shape. And, you know, Will Golston, two and a half sacks. He's never had more than three sacks in a single season in his previous eight years. Two and a half today. And they were just, bless his heart, Sam Darnold just couldn't couldn't get away from, couldn't get out of the pocket, just couldn't escape from himself. And Darnold was the guy they had the most success with. Uh, Steve McClendon, Troy State alumnus, uh, you know, he had his half a sack. Barrett had a sack before he got out. And again, as you mentioned, that's now 10 sacks for Shaquille Barrett. He joined Simeon Rice, Warren Sapp, and Leroy Selman as the only guys in this franchise's history with multiple double-digit sack totals. So, uh, again, just uh, just something that these guys can get on the plane heading back to Tampa, having confidence. We did it. Even with our numbers depleted, these guys stepped up and were able to go in and, you know, win an NFL game on the road. I, I can't imagine the kind of confidence that instills in a team going down the stretch. It's interesting because all year long there was a defense that has had injuries, right? They've had to put this thing together with Todd Bowles, particularly in the secondary. You know, they've been without almost everybody. Um, Sean Murphy bunting the first game of the season. We saw Carlton Davis go out for many, many weeks, their top corner. Um, we've seen uh, Jamel Dean be in and out with uh, all kinds of illnesses and concussions and things like this. The safety position, Jordan Whitehead, for the longest time, the guy who's now playing the best football, uh, he was out as well. Didn't know he would come back this soon or this strong. And now Antoine Winfield Jr. is out. However, um, getting Mike Edwards back from the suspension uh, made them a little more whole at the safety position. And anytime they can put Carlton Davis, Jamel Dean, and Sean Murphy Bunting on the field together with one or two of those safeties, particularly Jordan Whitehead. The biggest, the biggest difference in Jordan Whitehead, we've seen him now make plays on the football. We haven't seen that much before, but what we know he can do is he's an absolute force in the running game. 
There's not many safeties in this league that come downhill and thump people more than Jordan Whitehead does. Um, he's somebody that, that teams are going to start looking for because uh, he's a difference maker. And he gets the ball out, but he's always in position. This was his best game, I think, by far. And they needed somebody to step up, step up on the back end with Winfield out, and he managed to do that. So you, you give all the credit to him. What a difference for Todd Bowles when he knows he's got coverage behind the blitzes that he brings and behind the different packages and pressures, which also include Whitehead, who rushed off the edge a few times. That's all the difference for their defense. Now, let's not get this twisted. Carolina is a mess. They're an absolute abomination on offense. They're playing not one but two ineffective quarterbacks right now, and that doesn't help anybody. Cam Newton came over, had to play an emergency basis. He's been the starter, started again on Sunday night. Didn't do a whole heck of a lot. He had one big long run that was probably the the highlight on offense. Uh, you know, uh, for really for for Carolina, thirty three yard run. They weren't able to cap that off. They held him to a field goal on that one, and and that was it. Um, Sam Darnold played. You know, fifteen to thirty two for one hundred ninety five yards. Uh, he was sacked four of the seven times I guess that they sacked the quarterback. So. This is a mess up here in Carolina, and if you listen to Matt Rule for all of the 25 or 30 minutes he stood up there trying to explain it, you, you're not a very big fan of, of him, of, of of the Panthers right now. It's a, it's a tough place to be where the Bucks have been for many, many years, where you change quarterbacks and change coaches, and you get into that spiral, and you just can't do anything with it. So this is not the strongest year of the NFC South. I've seen many, many stronger years, including when Carolina and Newton and them were humming uh, when Matt Ryan uh, had a team that was worthy of going to a Super Bowl, when New Orleans had Drew Brees. Who cares? The Bucs won a division. They haven't done that in 14 years. It earns them a home playoff game, maybe more if they get some breaks. So that's the key thing. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. All right, let's talk about Antonio Brown because there are two things with respect to Antonio. Nobody has ever, ever uh, diminished what he's capable of on the football field. They are, they are now 6-0 and when Antonio Brown plays a football game this year. 6-0. and It's not an accident. What was unique about Sunday was the fact that we haven't seen him play since October 14th. He had an injury that lasted much longer than they thought. It lingered. Uh, first we heard it was the ankle, then later a heel. Um, but he's an absolute superstar in this league at an age that most guys are done. And he came with fire. He was like a guy that couldn't wait to get out there. All kinds of energies, smack talking from the first play. Um, and they needed Antonio Brown. I don't know what would have happened to their passing game. When you target a guy 15 times, he catches 10 for 100. Where would Tom Brady have gone with the football if not for Antonio Brown? That was a godsend for them, and the timing couldn't have been better. Yeah, if you look at the numbers, and we're looking right at him, Rick, he was targeted 15 times. The rest of the team was targeted a total of 14. Mm. The, Grayson and Jones had three. 
Brait had four. That was more than anybody except for Antonio Brown. He was he's a he's a freak. He's a freak of nature. He was targeted on three of the first six plays. A guy that had not played in a game since October fourteenth. And Bruce Arian said, I just could tell in practice that he was in shape. And he came up to me and said, Hey, coach, whatever you need, I'm ready. And he he was ready. From the get-go, it, it was really kind of incredible when you talk about a 33-year-old guy going out and doing what he did today after not playing at this level for two and a half months. And they needed him. Like you said, where would they have been without him? As great a story as Vaughn was and as Grayson was, they probably, they probably, or it's, it's at least a much closer game without Antonio Brown, much less if they win it. But as dominant as he was on the field, Rick, he was just as defiant off of it. It's a great, it's a great uh, way to, to phrase it because it was inevitable he was going to be asked. I asked the first question. I chose not to, 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 to start off the interview because, first of all, I was surprised that he came to the podium at all. We asked for him last week. All of this could have been behind him. Yeah. All of this could have been addressed uh, during the week rather than on Sunday. But because we haven't had a chance to talk to Antonio Brown since his three-game suspension – uh, based on some stories that, that I wrote in an NFL investigation into him and, and two other players, Mike Edwards and John Franklin III, who was a pre-agent, using fake vaccination cards to, to lie about their status, they got a three-game suspension, and he's been out. And this is the first time we had a chance to, to talk to him about that. I started asking about his performance quick, uh, quickly thereafter. Jenna Lane followed up uh, about the suspension. So did uh, uh, Greg Allman of The Athletic. So he was defiant and not the least bit remorseful, I might add. Um, he really didn't want to talk about it. Uh, initially, he said, it's a lot, of, a lot of drama you guys create, a lot of drama people create who want stuff from me. I assume he's talking about Stephen Ruiz, the chef that owed him ten, that he owed $10,000 to and, in fact, settled with him this week. Um, that's part of life, part of being in the position. Uh, I mean, I can't control what people want from me, what people write about me. Well, we wrote what happened, which is you used a fake vaccination card um, and possibly put people's lives in danger, which is why the protocols exist in the first place. Um, He followed that up. Uh, He didn't want to address it, but then he did address it. And he said, I don't want to talk about that. You guys are all drama. It's all about football. We're going to talk about Carolina or I don't want to talk to you. Well, (laughs) okay, you didn't really address it. Even though you did talk to us, I'm sure it's probably the last time we're going to ask him or have a chance to ask him about it because I doubt they'll put him out there otherwise. Um, But this is once again, Joey, Antonio Brown failing to take accountability. He wasn't accountable to his teammates because he lied about his vaccination status. He was sitting in meeting rooms with people who thought he was vaccinated, who, who, uh, you know, were trusting that he was vaccinated wasn't mandated. He could have chosen to play without being vaccinated, but he went this route, the fake card route. And and the thing that people forget, I think, about this whole story, Antonio Brown got COVID. He actually got it. And, and, and the fact is, is that by week two, he was out. And that means that he could have potentially infected someone like a Bruce Arians, someone, uh, you know, like Coach Moore. Um, there's a lot of immune compromised people in that building. I I think that's the part that gets lost on all of this. But even today, defiant is a good word because he still fails to take any accountability. And instead, he wants to project 
anything that's been done to him, he's forfeited some $300,000, which he can make up in bonuses, but that money is gone because he still hasn't admitted his role or what he has done that warranted a three-game suspension, and I don't suppose he ever will. You, you know, we've talked a lot about this, Rick, and I, I didn't think he would be allowed back on the team initially. The way he betrayed Bruce Arians' trust, Bruce Arians, who's 69 years old and could be considered high risk considering his medical background, and you got a guy in the, uh, you got a guy in the in the locker room, and Tom Moore, 82, 83 years old, whom Antonio Brown, by his irresponsible behavior, very well could have could have gotten in some kind of kind of health danger. I didn't think they were going to let him back on the team. Not for the fact that, you know, he could have got some people sick, but because he betrayed trust. And you talk to any coach worth his salt, the big thing in the locker room is trust. So that's why I didn't think he would be getting a second chance. Bruce Arians explained why he let him back on the team. And you, you said it, Rick. I, I don't know how else to put it. You know, a 33-year-old guy if he doesn't have accountability at this point in his life, I, I don't suppose he ever will. Instead of blaming us, the messengers, for the drama and for framing him, and he did use the, the phrase framing, he felt like he was framed, and he felt people was trying to get stuff off of him. And Instead of going in that direction, he could have been very forthright a long time ago. If, in fact, he was vaccinated, he could said, this is what I've done, this is where I did it, here's my proof, let's clear this up right now. But he's never done that. Today was the first time we've talked to him since well before all this stuff went down, before your reporting uh, was was published. And he, he went in another direction. He chose to blame the messengers. It's a complete lack of accountability. I'm not, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised in the least. And I, I just don't think this individual will ever change. It is who he is. He's 33 years old. I don't know how much longer he has left in the league, but... We know who Antonio Brown is, and then Bucks know who, An- who knew who Antonio Brown was when they signed him, and um, this is what they've got. Well, he absolutely helped them win a game today that I don't know otherwise that they would have been as effective again. Carolina, an anemic offense, six points on the day. Um, not a team that you were going to have to score a lot of points against, and I think somehow they would have figured it out. I give Tom Brady credit because I think – a lot of teams would have panicked in this situation. Um, Tom Brady has never been one of those guys. Now, you know he was grinding about it. He's not happy about losing Godwin. He's certainly not happy about not having Mike Evans. Mike Evans has a chance to come back before the playoffs are over. They have to go to New York and win a game against the Jets in what could or could not be inclement weather. I mean, it was, hell, it was 75 degrees here in Charlotte. I don't know what it's going to be in New York next week. Um, but if they can navigate that, then it's home against this same bad Carolina team in just two weeks. I don't see much improvement happening with this football team. In fact, if anything, they may have gotten a little bit worse. They lost their starting cornerback today. They've had some pieces fall fall off as well. At some point, the Bucks will get some of their players back. I think Levante David will be one of them on defense. Um, I don't know about Jason Pierre-Paul. Um, you know, we mentioned Evan. Certainly Leonard Fournette has a chance. But running Ronald Jones running Keyshawn Vaughn, giving these guys reps and building some momentum with some of these other players. We saw some brief appearances from O.J. Howard. We saw Cam Brait get in the end zone again, which is what he seems to do. Um, When they do get people back in a weird way, they may become a better football team as a result of having to lean on that depth. 
And there's no question that even if Godwin is out, and he is, Antonio Brown and Mike Evans, and whether it's Brashard Perryman or Saul Grayson or a combination of all of them, there's still a handful for any team as long as number 12 is the quarterback. I think you're right. This is, this is the theme that we've been talking about. These guys have confidence in themselves that they can go out and do it without some of their missing components. I think going into the playoffs, they're going to be a better football team if some of these guys are back, as yeah. you mentioned, if Levante's back, if Mike Evans is back, if they've got a few of these guys back in the fold, then you bring in a confident Ronald Jones. Then you bring in a confident Cam Brayton, Cyril Grayson. Man, you're just replenished. You're deeper. Yeah. They could go into the playoffs a deeper team than they are than they were, you know, maybe two months ago. I, I still think, you know, it, we've seen so much ebb and flow in this team just in the last two weeks with the injuries and the shutout loss and the Antonio Brown saga and all this stuff. You know, Rick, the, the NFL is a crazy, chaotic place. It wouldn't shock me if this is a deeper, better football team when it counts the most. They have won back-to-back 11 win seasons, which has never happened in this franchise's history. They have an opportunity to win 13 games, which I believe would be a record for the regular season. Um, they are the division champions for the first time in four years. They're going to have a home playoff game with any kind of luck around them, either with Dallas or with uh, who else is up there. Of course, Green Bay, I think, is pretty well locked in. The Rams um, is, is a tough situation right now because they look to be winning the, uh, the NFC West. They still have some tough games ahead of them. There's a lot of football left. We know a lot can happen in two weeks. We just witnessed it, what happened in 10 minutes in the New Orleans game a week ago. So, you know, the Bucks are going to be in a position to have a say as to who wins the NFC. And having watched Green Bay these last two weeks, they've managed a couple two-point victories at Baltimore and at home against a Cleveland team where Baker Mayfield threw the game away with four interceptions, and they still had a chance to win that game at the end. Teams have run the football all over Green Bay. Probably going to have to run it in the cold weather and snow up there in January or February or whenever the hell they play that thing. And I think that, you know, they're vulnerable too. Uh, you know, heck, Aaron Rodgers is limping around on a pretty bad toe right now, and, he, and every time he gets, step on, gets stepped on, it, it causes a setback. So all I'm saying is this was, a, this was an important win for themselves. Um, important to prove to themselves is they're still a viable football team and they will have a say as to who's going to win the NFC before this is all said and done. So uh, we're off to catch a plane back to Tampa as we do this podcast. We appreciate you guys listening. We'll have Bruce Arians tomorrow afternoon get an update on Shaq Barrett and others. For Joey Knight and Steve Burstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. 